You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. God, bet you thought this would never happen again, <laughs> but the X-Man is back. My name is Doc Coyle. I am your host, and it's been essentially a calendar month since I put out a show, and that's primarily because not only was I on, I on tour, but I you know had one of the kind of busiest stretches of my career in terms of just physical stuff. <laughs> I had to do. So Bad Wolves just wrapped up the Rockzilla tour with Papa Roach, Falling in Reverse, and Hollywood Undead. And I have to say, it's one of the best tours I've ever done. Uh, it was, you know, so it was basically the sa- a version of the previous tour we did uh, earlier in the year, but we added Falling in Reverse, and that, you know, really beefed up the shows. I mean, in the winter spring tour we were doing, I guess that was a spring tour, March, right? Uh, we were doing, I say average around 3,000 people a night. And this tour, uh, we had a, like a small show. There were a couple of small shows around 2,000 people. But other than that, everything was between four and 7,000. And we had 12,000 people in, um, where the hell were we? Kansas City, something like that, somewhere in Kansas. And actually, Kansas City's in Missouri, right? <laughs> Something like that. I'm screwing up over here. The general point is, it was a huge tour. And it's great when you get together with people that you've already been out with. It's very comfortable. It's kind of like you get getting the group back together. And it was just fun. And for me, this is the first sober tour I've ever done. I, I can't remember if the last time, if I had mentioned that, that I, I, I took a break from drinking. So I did, I drank two nights on the tour, um, Vegas, this is like right near the end, you know, but at that point I hadn't drank in two months. And then the last day of the tour, I was a little like, you know what, I think I need to let loose a little bit. So I did, I drank twice on the tour, but essentially did the tour sober. And I have to say it was a lot of fun. Uh, felt my, my stamina was better. I felt like my, uh, there were, I was much more in a, in a middle ground in terms of mood, less highs and lows, especially less lows. Uh, and, you know, I, I worked out as much as I could. The diet, you know, needs some work. I was definitely, I think we're not drinking the uh, the cakes and pies start start looking a lot better. <laughs> so I probably indulged probably more, a little more than I, I should have. But, you know, what are you going to do? You have to uh, 
that I think that that becomes your partying, you know, ice cream when, 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 when you can have it. But, uh, but I, but the thing I, I noticed was I actually just had a lot of fun. Like I was still social. I was still hanging out with people. I would like, I would go jam with the Hollywood and dead guys and we, you know, do acoustic covers and like rock out. And, you know, it was, you know, I, you know, I guess, you know, maybe I was afraid I'd become boring or that I would get bored, but I definitely found a way to stay engaged and still feel like I was doing the whole tour thing. So, so that was really, really interesting. And, 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 you know, and with that, I'm kind of like, you know, who knows my, my relationship with drinking in, in the future, but I'm definitely, I knew I had so much to do. And that's a big reason why I haven't done a podcast was essentially uh, on our days off. So Bad Wolves was tasked with recording a cover song to be released uh, during our next tour, our European tour with Volbeat. And it uh, pretty much on the first, I'm going to say four days off we had, we were, you know, we had basically a, a mobile studio out and we were recording this song. And, and if it wasn't that, you know, and so I think maybe the first day off, I just like, I got my own hotel room and I was like, just doing God forbid stuff. So we have the God forbid reunion, which is happening. I literally fly tomorrow i fly within 10 hours of recording this to raleigh north carolina to start doing the god forbid stuff and the logistical stuff involved with <laughs> doing this has just been super stressful i mean booking flights and getting crew and organizing rehearsals and you know figuring out gear and we have to rehearse in north carolina it's just it's been a lot merchandise getting artists all that stuff and uh it's been very stressful so pretty much i didn't have a day off i don't know for six weeks or something like that and so that really impacted my ability to to work on the show and then literally by the last i don't know week or two of the tour you know i i, I went home and I, I saw my lady so i had to kind of do that and it's like i couldn't just come home and go to work you know i had to spend time and do that thing so you know it was just a lot so my, my apologies for for the the break it was definitely my intention but i definitely didn't think the workload uh that happened uh because of what bad wolves was doing and what the god forbid stuff would, would take up so much time and i'll be honest it's definitely i've, I've had some very stressed out days because you're you know especially with the reunion type thing you know you don't have this infrastructure like with Bad Wolves, right? Like we've been on the road for five and a half weeks and we're playing the same festival, but you know, we've got the same crew guys and we've got the same gear and we just did Rocklahoma Festival. So we kind of, that was, that was like our dry run and we kind of know how it works and we're locked in. When you have all these variables, it's something that you don't know how it's going to work out. It's, and you know, and there's just a lot more pressure, you know, in terms of, being good and living up to the standard that you want it to be. So it's a, uh, it's been a lot, but uh, I'm hoping, you know, that most of the work and preparation will have been worth it. So that by the time, you know, we're jamming, you know, the day after tomorrow and rehearsing, like things are just good vibes and everything. I'm just, and I just want everyone to have fun, you know, but it is, it is a lot. 
So my apologies, more than likely my uh, attention to getting back to the podcast will have to resume when I get back, um, which will be in about, about a week, you know, and I'm home for a month and I'm going to be in Europe for like two months. And that'll be an interesting tour because there's a lot of days off currently. And, you know, I think some, a lot of that's going to get filled. We think with some off dates, but it may be one of those tours where I just have time to kind of do things. So hopefully I can keep things going with, with the show. Cause, uh, it's tough though, you know, and, and I think in a weird way, like the pandemic, uh, created this like false, uh, sense of our ability to be able to do things like podcasts and streaming and stuff. Cause we we're all at home. And now that's like <laughs> a thing of the past and, you know, bad wolves, it's pretty, it's pretty popping. You know, we're, we're building a lot of momentum, getting a lot of shows. We're working on new material. The work just doesn't stop. Um, and, 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 you know, that's a big reason why I stopped drinking was that so I could kind of accomplish this and be focused and get all this work done. And even despite that, I'm still feel like I'm a little bit behind the ball, but, uh, but it's been a, a very positive experiment, I think. And, you know, and it's just every day I'm out there, I really appreciate, uh, the opportunity to be able to play music for a living. I've had so many periods of time where I was not able to do that. And, Pretty much fought tooth and nail to keep being able to do that. Uh, and it's like, there's all these detriments, I think, to like being a workaholic, especially when it's to your career, because you feel like if you're not grinding every day, there's someone else kind of outpacing you. So, you know, it's a bit of an affliction and it, and it definitely, I don't think I'm, I'm my happiest when I'm this kind of overworked, for sure. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a pretty leisurely guy. <laughs> um, and, you know, and, and we have that work life balance, you know, it definitely with touring, you know, it, it affects your relationships. You know, you're not as close to your friends at home and family. Everything feels a little um, or a lot at, at arm's length. And that's uh that's the big sacrifice. I think we all make who, who live this lifestyle. And as I've said on the show many times, it's a kind of the downside of success is that you're just gone. So. And I don't think with battles, it's going to be letting up anytime soon. We're looking at some tours for early 2023, maybe some European festivals next summer, new album, uh, and maybe some more God forbid stuff. We'll see. I'm kind of waiting to see what that, how that stuff pans out. But, uh, all right. That's, that pretty much gets us caught up. Uh, I have, I'm going to play a song by a band called Red Star. And these are my buddies and they it it includes uh Mikey Lopez who's the guitar player from Nine Electric LA band and my buddy Eric Tysinger who played bass for Westfield Massacre Otep Thrown in Exile he's jamming with my cover band uh so some some good good homies here and they have they have this new band called Red Star and we're gonna play a track entitled Outlaws. <laughs> Okay. 
So that was Outlaws with a Z uh, by Red Star with two Ds, one word, Red Star. And yeah, that was a cool track. Uh, that like that track actually was kind of more active rock vibe. I know a lot of their stuff is a little more like hip hop. There's some kind of rap rock stuff going on. It's pretty diverse. I saw them in Vegas and the songs were kind of, they were doing a lot of different stuff, but they're definitely on the come up. They're playing a lot of shows and, uh, you know, check them out. I say go over to their Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash red star music. Remember that's two D's and they just dropped an EP called hit and run. Oh, I'm sorry. There's a new song called hit and run. The EP is called renegade music volume one, and it's out now. They have some videos out. Um, you can find all that stuff at the Facebook. And, you know, anywhere to stream music, just check it out. Uh, tell them Doc Coyle sent you because they're, the, uh, they're the dudes. Uh, if you'd like to sponsor the show, and we have a bunch of openings right now. Well, that's what happens when you, you don't do shows. You get a lot of openings. <laughs> uh, just shoot me a, an email at the Podcast at gmail.com. There might be a little bit of a wait, but eventually we'll get back to you. Uh, so without further ado, we have an incredible, incredible guest, um, Morgan Lander from Kitty. You know, I go way back with Morgan. Uh, if you have been a longtime listener, you remember I had Mercedes Lander on the show way back in the early, I want to say it was like the 20th episode or some, somewhere around that in the teens. And, you know, I just, I admire uh, Morgan so much, uh, from a talent standpoint, from a, just, I love her spirit, uh, personally. And, you know, it, you know, I, I, and I appreciate that energy of, of, again, the, the people that, that do this thing for, for the right reason. And, you know, uh, as a band, Kitty man just has such a huge legacy and, you know, they're doing, they're actually, I'm going to actually, will I see them next week? I think, they're playing the same day as Bad Wolves. So I think I'm going to be able to see them. So, uh, but we have, they're playing Blue Ridge Rock Festival as well. And they're doing the While We're Young Festival. They're, you know, they're doing stuff. And I, and I, I love to see that because they're such great people. So I'm going to stop running my mouth and please enjoy my, my conversation with the incredible Morgan Lander. See, there's two kinds. There's two kinds of people in this world. All right, the people that show up, you know, right on the dot, you know, and then the (laughs) early, and then the early people. All right, you're really the early people. The like, I don't know, like, what exactly the the psychological trait is, 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm strange. Impressed. I'm impressed. Okay. And uh, thank you. So well, I I'm glad that you are. I'm. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I wanted to just like. I, don't know. I was like, well, I got a few minutes. Like, might as well just log in, and see what's going on. Well, no, it's it's, it's intimidating to be in the company of uh, notoriously prepared and responsible human beings. You know, as being the opposite of that. You know, I have to uh, do what I can over here. Oh God, no way, <laughs> no way. I uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think I'm like you know entirely and an entirely prepared person, but I think I'm neurotic enough that like I like if I have a show or if there's something going on like I'm I'm already mentally like you know like I'm stressing about stuff that's happening months down the road already oh I hear you I'm sure you are too (laughs) there's a God from every union show that definitely I've had some some sleepless nights worrying about uh the preparation for that so (laughs) well uh Morgan, thank you so much for being a guest on on this show. I apologize for the cancel the postponement, but I appreciate yeah, that's you fine. taking your time to to, to be of on the course. show. You are someone uh, I've wanted to speak to for for quite some time. You got to be a guest on the show I used to be on Last Words, and you were amazing on there. And I was like, I need I need to talk to Morgan. All right, on my show. Yeah, of course. Are you are you still doing that? By the way, the last last words thing. No, it got canceled, but it was oh. fun. Fun while it lasted. That's sad. Yeah, no, I, I I had a lot of fun. I thought the whole gang, everybody there is like, you know, all kind of had different, you know, like musical likes and different like schools of thought and things like that. And I, I thought it was kind of a fun, a fun, uh, a fun thing to do. It was, but you know, Warner was footing the bill. It wasn't, it didn't come cheap. Oh, so. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, to accumulate all that talent. All right. We're, right. We're, we're not going <laughs> to give away my takes for free. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, how how are you doing? Good. I'm doing really good. Things are, uh, yeah, things are, I guess, like kind of interesting in life these days. You know, lots of you know music stuff happening, band stuff. Uh, other than that, like, I don't know, just just chilling, just living in the sort of post pandemic world. Well, you guys came out later because uh, Bad Wolves, we were in uh, Toronto and Montreal like, you know, a few months back. And I guess we were like our tour with Pop Roach was one of the first tours to actually mm. come back. And I met up with some friends and they were saying how the, you know, literally the lockdowns just ended. So so it felt like you guys were a little bit behind where we were from a you know, United States perspective in terms of just getting used to not being locked down. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the U S that just never thought that that happened at all. So <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. This there are two true. Americas. There are two Americas for sure. Yeah, there are uh, <laughs> for sure. It's very, very divided. Um, but yeah, no, we, uh, and I think, uh, I think even, you know, a lot of Canadians in certain, certain places, uh, were sort of like, wow, that's even too early. For yeah. that to happen um and uh, i know there are provinces like more out west that were a bit more like you know they lifted their stuff earlier yeah um and we were sort of i guess one of the last provinces in ontario here to to lift those bands but like uh yeah people are still wearing ma- i still wear a mask out i don't yeah. want that not, not me Shit. all right i want my freedom yeah, my freedom will protect me. That's right. No, I'm over. I'm I'm over. My girlfriend wear wear the movies. I'm like, 
I'm like, I'm not wearing that shit. I'm done. All right. Look, see, yeah. when, you, when, you, when you bless with all this, you can't just be covering this up, right? I, I got to let that <laughs> that exist, all right? All right, that's how right? I, I You know what? I actually kind of love it. Like, I'm yeah. like, people aren't looking at me. It's nice. I feel more anonymous and uh, hidden in the world. I kind of like it. See? But Even you know, uh, the crowds all quickly. She's, she's letting people know. She's like, I live that celebrity life, Doc. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> oh, no, God, no. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, uh, so a lot, I guess a lot has been happening with you because you guys were announced on this uh while we were young festival mm -hmm. which became i i don't even know how to explain it but it, it seemed like uh the hype and the excitement around this festival seemed to kind of emanate even past anything that's regarding underground and it seemed to kind of spill into the mainstream so, such to the point I, I was at my physical therapist's office and and like the girls who are working working the desk and stuff were we're talking about this. I'm like, this is kind of a big deal. The 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 nostalgia is 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 strong in the streets these days. Yeah, it, the, like the nostalgia, but also it was like it turned into like this weird meme where people were like, oh, there's no way that like all these bands are going to be able to fit on this festival and like, um, yeah, like it became this thing where people were talking like, oh. Uh, like they didn't think that it was real because it was, I guess, maybe too good to be true. I don't know. I've been on festivals where there's been way more bands than that in one day, um, you know, and it was actually, it went off, you know, really, really well. So I don't know, I guess people's imaginations just shrunk during pandemic or whatever. Um, and, but, but it's cool because it did become like a, you know, meme worthy thing. And then, uh, you know, I guess maybe it's, it's kind of helped to, you know, I guess, get it out there into the mainstream. But it is, it's a pretty crazy lineup. Um, yeah, it's insane. And it seems like, yeah, like a lot of people are excited to go and excited to play. I'm excited to play. Like, it's crazy that they were like, okay, we're going to do one show. And then, oh, whoops, we're going to do another show. And then they're like, oh, whoops, we're doing another show. And I think that there might have even been uh, the opportunity for another show after that too. But the main headliners, I think, were like, that's enough, like, no. last-minute stuff. Because, like, originally when um, that offer came to Kitty, it was, like, one show, the first October 22nd date that they have. And then they were like, oh, it literally sold out so quickly that people were like, okay, well, what do we do? And so they're just like, well, let's just keep on making money. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm fine with it, too. Um, but it's kind of a big deal because the first time that we've done something for a very long time and uh feel very out of the game and out of practice with all that stuff um i'm sure like like playing wise it'll be fine but like all the other stuff that's involved is very stressful well i hear you you guys are doing blue ridge fest too with uh, yeah you with guys God are forbid. too with yeah. God forbid, yeah i know that's what i'm saying here's what they're doing they're dusting off off us old ass raggedy bands, you know, mm. just just over there, like like a you know that that one rag that you use to like you know wash like the wheel well of your car or something. That mm -hmm. that's our bands. We're just we just been over there. No one's paying attention to us, but you know you take that rag, throw it in the wash, you know, you get it, you know you know you get some fabric softener next. You know that's a pretty good rag over there. Yeah, totally. It's like oh, it's, it's still usable. <laughs> I gotta show you something. I I just you know since you're a V. I just got this. Oh, yesterday. what is that? Oh, a Gibson. Ooh, Gibson that's Custom. very nice. Tell them it's, to send me one too. I'll get on that. I'll get. 
That would be so awesome. That's a beautiful guitar. Dude, it's. I haven't. It's, I haven't upgraded for since like 2004. So I've never had a Gibson. I love them. I think they're they're great. Um, I I'm mo I more play hammer hammer whatever however you want to pronounce it. Um, uh, I feel like they're like a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, but I do have Gibson Vs, and I think they're. Is that the only guitar great. you play? Like the the Gibson V style? Yeah. I don't know what happened there. It just, it just became like, I was like, Oh, this is like when I was like, you know, 16, I was like, this is going to look cool. And then I just never, I never went back. I don't know there's something, it feels weird playing a different shape of a guitar now. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm just so used to that, that it's just, that's what I do. You know, that's, yeah, but I that's think what that's, I feel most comfortable with. I think that's the way to, to go though. Right. Like all the most iconic guitar players are known for one guitar, right. For the most yeah. part, mm -hmm. you know, you mm -hmm. think about, Slash, you think about the Les Paul, you think about Dime, you think about his kind of X uh, type guitar and, and, yeah. so, and so on and so forth. Think about the Strat and you think about uh, Jimi Hendrix. So it makes you more iconic. You yeah, know? well, I guess so. Um, I don't know. Are there that the only like one off the top of my head that's like iconic V player is Rob Flynn. Well, he plays them. Um, he always plays uh, these, doesn't he? Yeah, those that style, that shape, and yeah, I know. Um, I don't know, like what if he's Gibson or what brand. No, I well, I think no, back in the day, seen him, it was back in the day, he was Gibson, and then there's he even used to use uh, an Explorer for a minute, and then I think he got a handful of the Japanese custom ESP Vs Ooh, that like you nice. that you can't really. I don't. I think you can still get a Japanese-made one because the uh, trademark laws are different. Whereas mm. uh, ESP, like you can't buy a, a, a like Gibson-style V or, or Explorer here because it's illegal. Basically, because Gibson owns the they copyright. own the, the the actual like yeah, but but, but in Japan they're like we got different laws over here, player. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I'm trying, to I'm trying to think who else. I mean, Micah Mott used to use the, the ESP ones, but then he uh, he got like a, some custom ones made through ESP and then Dean. And then, you know, like that one, I guess the one I have, Richie Faulkner from Judas Priest plays and Priest was always cool. kind of on that on, on that track. Oh, yeah. But I think, but actually, no, they use the Hamer ones too, too right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Judas Priest. Yeah, I, lo I love the Hamer ones. I think they're, I think they're great. There's just, I, I, uh, I don't, I mean, I don't, uh, I was endorsed by them at one time and I have a few of them and like, they're just, they're, they just sound amazing. They're my go-to guitars. I just, yeah. And uh, I got, I got a lot of stuff like, you know, hanging around, uh, many, many Vs. Like I got, you know, ESPs. I have, you know, Ibanez, all kinds of weird stuff down in the basement. Um, I haven't talked shop in a long time. So well, I'm no, I wanted to listen. Funny. I wanted to, I wanted to talk about this stuff and I, you know, I have a bunch of things here that I want to talk about, but I like when I kind of, you know, we'll just, we're just going to go with the flow and see, see where the yeah, conversation course, takes us. But I did want to talk to you a little bit about your guitar playing because, you know, fortunately when you get to tour with bands and well, I think we only did the one tour together, right? Yep. Yep. Just the one. 2010. Yeah, 2010. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, with Periphery and mm -hmm, yeah. Gwen Stacy. Right. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? I like how you, so how y'all just poached Gwen Stacy for boyfriends. That shit was fucked up. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, Ivy Ivy's married to I know to Jeff now. Yeah, they have two kids and they're happy and living life. It's wild. 
Didn't you date someone from Gwen Stacy too? Didn't you poach your boyfriend from there? Like, like briefly. See, I'm, I'm just saying, yo, these guys, yo, you better, you better watch out. Me too, coming for you too. All right, right. Kitty, Kitty will, you know, watch out. You guys maybe like pick openers. You're like, let's find the hottest dudes so we can, so we can. <laughs> oh man, I'm too old for that shit now. <laughs> no, this is back in the day. This is we're talking oh, about. Oh yeah, old, back in the day, yeah, sure, sure. Old sure. sins, old sins. They course, definitely yeah. didn't didn't pick. God forbid. For being sexy, all right. That was they, they picked us for the riffs, all right. That's right, of course. <laughs> you guys some serious riffs. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But no, but uh, you know, getting the tour with the band, um, and getting to see them up close, you know, you just get a different perspective for the musicianship and the technique and stuff. And I really watched you a lot. Like you know, you you're basically like you know, you correct me if I'm wrong, but from kind of the, the James Hetfield school. <laughs> of rhythm guitar, you know, yeah, where it's, it's like, you know, you all, gotta- Everything is a down pick. Yeah. As fast as you can go. Um, yeah, well, like, I, I don't know, it's funny. Like, I know that, I know that, you know, Kitty is not known for being, you know, I, our reputation is not known for being like amazing musicians or whatever. But if you come see us live, then you might change your mind. But like a lot of people base their ideas off of, you know, things that happened, you know, like 20 something years ago. And like, you know, the band that we were when we started out when we were 16 years old, which we were, you know, we were super young and super green and had no idea uh, what we were doing. But um, yeah, I think I think, you know, I like to say I'm competent. Uh, I leave all the noodling to Tara. That's her job. And she's very, very good at what she does. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely like sort of like the solid, um, solid riffer, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I can't do much in terms of noodling and things like that, but, uh, I play pretty fast. So <laughs> yeah, well, I, lots of you know, triplets and picking and stuff no, like I that. Know. I don't know. Tara said some really amazing things about me in, in, in interviews too. And I was like, wow, I didn't even, I didn't even really realize that, you know, that that was something that people noticed i guess about me you know she's like oh she's got the fastest like picking hand that i've ever seen and i was like she's seen a, a bunch so that's feels really nice <laughs> well no no it's it's uh, see i see i think especially from an old school type perspective and, and and meaning that you know back in the day it was just like hey you had an amp and you had a guitar and you just turned it mm -hmm. up and you and and you played and, and from a general like simplicity setup it's just like the sound and the tone comes from the hands and the player. And you, I think you were using boogies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Triples, dual sometimes, but yeah, like I don't know. I'm uh, as as a person, a guitar player, and just like musician, I feel like I'm very uncomplicated. I don't. I've never been like I want to have a giant pedal board with a million effects and things. Like I always thought that you know. I mean. Mesa Boogie, they sound great. It's not, you know, if it's not broken, there's no need to fix what's coming but out that's, of the amp. But like, that's, but that's like exactly purely. my point. That's exactly yeah. my point is when you kind of simplify the ingredients, it's like, then it's just about the player. And so even if you're playing something that is relatively simplistic, right? Like if you go to see a band like Hatebreed, right? What are they mm -hmm. using? Gibsons and Marshalls, right? It's yeah. not, there's mm -hmm. not some secret... But you hear it, and, and you know, and, and there are bands who are tuned lower than them, or quote unquote heavier. But it sounds mm. devastating because yeah. you know, very simple ingredients and solid, solid playing. So, me, like I'm, I'm always impressed 
because sometimes you'll see like some shredder dude, you know, who can just kind of fly all over the the neck. But when it comes to just playing a simple rhythm, they don't have, they don't know the technique. Like I'll give an example. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen like a Metallica tribute band that was kind of like okay but not great? Yeah. Yes, yes. Where it's of like course. they're playing the parts, yeah, but they're not pl- like. And and the key examples if you see a band cover "Sad but True," and just the mm-hmm. just the din, 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 yeah, like that's but, but just the din, just the way they hit that if they're not imposing their will the right way, it does not sound heavy. And what I'm saying is you have that. Like when you play, it's like, and and you know when Morgan is like feeling, feeling the, the riff, cause she does, but yeah, that's right. The, that that bottom lip comes up like on Somo in like 1992. And she's like, that's right. That's right. It's, it's fucking heavy, it's man. It's pissed. <laughs> God damn. Oh my God. You're Hey, but I'm just saying, so you guys can't see this. I can see this though. She's, you know, she got the the stiff upper, the, the stiff lower lip. What do you even call that face? I just call it the ensemble face. Uh, stank face. I don't know. Like, Feeling it. It's like God, goddamn face. Yeah. It's all right. All yeah. right. But it, but anyway, I just I wanted to compliment you on your on your playing because I think in in some ways, and I think you see this with all kinds of bands that play more simplistic styles, whether it's a a punk band or a hardcore band where it, it seems like from the outside looking in like it might be easy but there is a technique a very strong technique to playing things that are simplistic and i don't think you got your stuff is that simplistic i mean in the later records there's stuff on there that's like almost could be like a lamb of god type riffs it's not like you're playing just power chords you know yeah yeah that's true that's true we, we definitely like evolved over time and whatnot but there's still that basic foundation of just like you know, riffage and yeah, there is a, there is a technique to it. And like, you know, you gotta, it's, it's all in the, all in the, all in the wrist, all that downstroke chugging and stuff, I guess. I don't know. Well, I, I'm just saying, and you know, kind of to, to reiterate this idea about an old school mentality is touring with you guys. It's like, you're a real band with an old school approach. It's like, there's no like mm, yeah. backing tracks or like, you know, crazy synth parts or, you know, a DJ. It's just like, Four people out there playing metal. It's very, yeah, it's totally. Very stri- it's very stripped down, you know. Totally, totally. I don't know. I always thought that that was so- something that kind of was super important. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like scarred from the internet and the things that people have said in the past or whatever. You know, like there was a time when people didn't think that we were even really playing, you yeah. know, on our albums and playing live and stuff. So I always thought it was a super important thing to not include a lot of that stuff. Um, like Brackish does have a, a like a kind of DJ-ish track underneath it. You know, there's yeah. like a whole a whole extra thing. And we were just like in the studio when we were 15. Like, this is great. This is cool. But we never used that track live. Yeah. Ever. And to this day, we won't. And um, it's just... Fuck uh, that DJ, bitch ass. Yeah. Actually, you know what's really funny <laughs> is like, you know, like that album, you know, that, that did some that did some shit. But uh, we actually had a guy that was a local dj come in and like spin some like jungle records for us and we gave him a case of beer for it like that was and that ended up on you know a gold a gold selling record which is really funny i don't even know he was dj dave that's all i knew dj, DJ dave spun us some out. jungle stuff and we recorded it and we were like that's cool and then we put it under brackish and the rest is history the rest is history speaking of history um 
you know, I, I guess to some degree, I mean, we're, I think we're probably very similar in, in ages. Um, yeah, I turned 40 in, in uh, January. Yeah, I'm, I'm 41. So we're, we're, yeah. we're relatively yeah. in that, that's that same, that same boat. Um, as far as just generationally and like, you know, we have this connection of, you know, having the, these bands when we were v very young, you know, I started mm -hmm. playing with Gotham guys when I was 16, you were even younger than me, mm -hmm. uh, I, I believe so. And, um, you know, and there's this distance, right, between where we are now as adults mm -hmm. and, and have, you know, existed and there's a different perspective, right, of the music you made when you were a really young person. And for you guys, the thing that's interesting is that in many ways, that first record is still kind of the thing that had the most like cultural impact, right? In terms oh, of like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, but it was also the thing you know sold the most, and even now, like if you go on Spotify, like those songs are still like at at the top. Um, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, and then through the years, you evolved, and you changed, and you went and did stuff that was drastically, drastically different. How do you, how does it hit your ears now when you hear those, those early songs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you post the video stuff of this, but that was a funny face. <clears throat> um, <laughs> well, um, I've, I've come to uh, appreciate others' appreciation for it. I've come to appreciate our place in, you know, that whole new metal thing, especially now that you know, things are cyclical and all of a sudden, you know, Brackish is trending on TikTok and people care again, you know, you know, and, you know, people want shows and all these things. Um, but uh, musically, like the album, I just, there's a, there's some things that I was like, wow, I wish that we did that. Like the, uh, we're, you know, we're practicing, you know, songs from all of the albums for these upcoming shows. And like some of the, the older stuff, especially, I'm like, why didn't we do that? Like, spit. Why, why didn't we do another chorus? Why did, <laughs> was there only one chorus of spit? And then that was it. It was like the hook, and we didn't put it in there. And I'm like, well, maybe we could just make one up now. I mean, whatever. You but do it just, live. Yeah, yeah, that's true, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, there, it's. It's tough because I remember the person that I was writing those songs. I remember the person that I was like um, at that time. I'm not that person anymore. And I really do. I do appreciate the um, the things that we did then. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess there's just something to be said about like the the sort of raw aggression, the sort of lack of like. There's some some of the songs. There's even like not really great structure and those sort of things. But it was like it represents something, right? And it's like, I think people gravitate towards that. So I can appreciate that. Um, you know, I personally wouldn't write those songs in that way now, but it made sense at the time. And I can I can appreciate it. And I don't know, like the, the production, I think on Spit is really good. Like the mixing and stuff like that. Garth? Yeah, we did the album with Garth. And like, you know, at that time- You don't say Garth? No, <laughs> I mean that's what he's supposed. That's his name, I guess. That's his name. I don't know because he I'm does being, have a stutter. I'm being an asshole. So <laughs> my bad. Um, but yeah, I have like to at call the him Google Garth. Yes, Google Garth Richardson. <laughs> um, so yeah, at the time, like it was like it was like 99, 1999, 
so long ago. Uh, you know, and like the things that we knew that he did were like the Rage Against the Machine record and like L7 and things like that. So we were like, this guy's fucking cool, man. He but like, cool. we had no fucking idea. And he rolled up with like a truck with all his gear. Like, we were like using like Fender amps and Fender Squire. Like, a lot of the, the stuff that was like, you know, that the first album was recorded with was like our like $300 guitars, um, but played through like his incredible, you know, gear that he brought with him. And uh, yeah, like I think sonically it sounds really good. You know, we had a good mix, good master. Um, you know, there were a lot of little intentional uh, mistakes left in there um, because like Garth was like, I want people to hear that you guys are a real band because this album, you know, might surprise people. Um, and we did that for a reason. Like there's actually like uh, the one that I can think of is In Choke. Uh, there's right before that very last um, like sort of breakdown, there's like a slight hesitation in the part. And we left that in because it was like, well, you want it to, we want, you want people to be like, yeah, okay. There's mistakes in here because they're real young girls. Is it a mistake or is it just character? Well, I, yeah, I guess so. I guess it, it could be, I mean, but we, we were aware of it and we didn't fix it because yeah. we were like, well, maybe people might not think that, you know. I, I, but you know what? Even though the album came out and they still didn't, so fuck it. Fuck everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think as uh, Bob Ross would say, a happy accident. Yeah, know? absolutely. I agree. Happy accidents are all right, you know. It's, uh, and it is what it is, right? I think uh, it's emblematic of a time, a snap, snapshot of time in my life. And I think a lot of people really, you know, uh, appreciate and gravitate towards those, like the, the, the purity of it. You know, yeah. there's something real, really like real and raw and kind of nasty about it. And, you know, uh, we were so, so young and just so pissed and like, you know, wanted people to take us seriously, and you know, we just uh, we just did the thing. <laughs> but is there something kind of um, ironic about the idea that the first thing you did when you were the least experienced, and the thing that you look back on and probably don't identify with as much, and is the most successful, and then stuff you did when you're much more advanced and is technically better is le less successful are there do you think there's lessons in in this idea of kind of simplicity and or or like this rudimentary thing because i i think there's if you look at it from by the way i apologize for like asking the question then immediately keep talking no, that's <laughs> After, um that's but I, I just want to give some broader broader context to it in, yeah. in that uh so much about success in in music and entertainment is about uh branding and packaging, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. all of the things, those elements, you guys were operating at basically at a 10 on that first mm -hmm. record in terms of all of the imagery worked 100% for what was happening at times. Sonically, it was, you know, you were playing the exact music that was the most popular at that time that was, mm -hmm. that was taking yeah. off and you had the look and you had the name and all this stuff. And then what I'm saying is, are there lessons in that that maybe Hey, if we want to be more successful, maybe we should keep more of those elements that 
brought us the success? Is that something you guys had to like deal with or fight with internally maybe? Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, um, looking back at it now, like, yeah, we were, we were definitely me, especially, uh, was very, very against like trying to play up, you know, all of those things, like all of the, those elements that you described, they were not like thought out or manufactured. We, we dressed like that all the fucking time. You know, we acted like that all the fucking time. You know, we wrote those songs, um, all of those things. Um, and so, you know, it was it was all just like the perfect storm of things. Um, but, you know, obviously when an album comes out and things start kind of snowballing, you know, a label wants you to sort of go one way. And, you know, we were getting told things like, you know, we'll get you a stylist and all these things. And we, I was very, very against it. There was a lot of stuff that we got offered that we were like, fuck that, that's stupid. Like, like uh, I think there was something that we did, or we got offered, um, uh, remember the show Extra? Is it still on? I don't know, like entertainment yeah, yeah, uh, enter enter Is that entertainment tonight or what is it? It's like kind of like that, but it e, was like, like it e was Extra. Yeah, 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 something like that. Um, and uh, they wanted to do a, um, a piece like of us, like going shopping and like picking, and we were, I was like, like it was, it was booked. The PR person booked it, and I was like, "Nope, fuck that! I'm not doing that. That's fucking stupid." Like, people are gonna laugh at us. Like, we want to be taken seriously, and it was. Uh, we were against so much of of that part of the game that I think it was uh, detrimental yeah. to the how far you know we got as a band. Um, and then by the second record, I was like sick of people only writing articles about what we looked like and focusing on the fact that we were women and, you know, all of the cat puns and all that shit that I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to dress so fucking ugly. I don't give a shit. You know, Phil and Salmo can wear cargo pants and a shirt on stage than I can too. And that's what I did. Um, and, uh, looking back at it now yeah absolutely i mean that's a that's a, a young person or you know somebody that doesn't really have grasped the the greater concepts of what's going on around them that's a young person's way of sort of coping you know like oh well you're gonna you want this well i'll give you the exact opposite because yeah. i don't give a fuck and i'll do it you know uh and potentially hold myself back because of that yeah. or hold the band back or like you know not play a game um, and that was definitely something that uh, once things started happening that I was like very, very conscious of, you know, like the 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 glam, super glam kind of stuff, you know, for me faded pretty, pretty quickly, um, like with like, you know, how I was dressing and, and all that stuff. Like, I, I don't think I could have kept going, like dressing like a practice video for the rest of my fucking life. Oh, my God. Ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. it was it, it was definitely more like the most um I don't know what the right sexed up. I don't know what terminology, like more yeah. like like leaning yeah. into that kind of uh um imagery or or kind of mm. kind of putting that and, and listen, it's it's a it's a very interesting thing, right? Because and 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 like you, I've learned a lot about a lot of these things after mm -hmm. the fact right like so yeah, so many course, things yeah. that seem um obvious years later are not obvious at the time and and me I, I you know i was always in a band that felt like we were struggling and trying to get ahead and when you're in that yeah. position 
you're constantly analyzing what works. Oh, why is this band successful? Why is this band successful? And I think you could, in, in, a, in a weird way, the difference between you guys and like a corn or a slipknot, right? Is like your image was your uh, a piece of your identity, right? And, and yeah. you know, that's your gender or something where it's like slipknot, they can take the masks and the jumpsuits off and they're just a regular guy, right? Like you couldn't mm -hmm. just be a different person. But if, you know, let's say corn had that same mentality, right? And they're like, you know what? We're sick of having dreads and wearing the baggy pants and the Adidas, and we're just gonna, you know what? Phil Anselmo's got <laughs> cargo yeah. pants, and they did that, it would probably hurt their band too. Or if Slipknot was like, you know what? We don't want to be known as the mass band. It would hurt them too. And it's like, and this is what, and again, this is going back to that idea of understanding the big picture from like a marketing and like a brand standpoint of like mm -hmm. what a band is supposed to look like and how that corresponds with the sound. And then how that, connects with a demographic and then you're yeah. getting into like the nuts and bolts of the actual marketing stuff which is weird right because in a way as an artist and you seem like someone who not even seem someone you are someone who takes it uh very seriously and you care about your credibility and all that stuff those things kind of mm -hmm. like it it butts heads and it's it, it's oh, it's yeah. tough to do that you know yeah and you shoot yourself in the foot sometimes like i think i definitely think that you know we did or you know, myself or whatever, like just to, to sort of retain and preserve some sense of, you know, that credibility. Um, but it's tough though, because, you know, to reconcile these things, because like you were saying, you know, the, our gender was sort of tied up into that whole image. And it's like, um, and, you know, continues to be, um, but, you know, like, Jonathan Davis starts wearing cargo pants. That's just, or not stops wearing masks. That's one thing, but I don't ever stop being a woman. Um, regardless of how I'm, I'm dressed, I'm still representing uh, that. And so, yeah, it's, it's really strange. And so then, you know, it calls into question, well, well then, you know, if I was dressing this way and I'm still who I am, you know, then what is it about, you know, how things are presented and, and the way that, you know, um, images are consumed and associated with bands, like, you know, like, what is it about that whole sex up image that, you know, is so, uh, is considered so popular or so, um, you know, provocative. And, I mean, it's human, know, it's and, human nature, right? I mean, I mean, of course, yeah. It's like, you know, and by the way, and, and, and it's not just a woman thing. I mean, if you're a guy, right, and you're, whole thing is you're sexy right and then you know you gain 100 pounds and you're not the sexy guy that's gonna oh affect... people are gonna talk shit yeah yeah, yeah but sure. but it's just that's you know and you know was it like uh d'angelo you know the r&b yeah. singer and he had that that big single the video where he's naked in the video and he's just and he looks great ripped cut mm -hmm. and like yeah, you know that was a great song too mm -hmm. yeah but but my but that song is not going to be that song if he doesn't look that way if he doesn't look amazing you know just yeah well you just chiseled, have to close your eyes God. Great. oh no no he's he would have been successful if d'angelo was you know unattractive he was going to be successful no, no matter what because he's one of the greatest army yeah but it, you're right it does it does add to it's the extra ingredient that adds to it because the video that was included is like damn you know so yeah it's I, I I understand that, but I just never never thought it was fair. 
Yeah. Well, it, well, guess what? It is not fair. And it's, it's, not. it's it, you know, I, I don't think, I think in, in any realm that has to do with entertainment and art where, because think about it, you know, music, visual art, uh, you know, acting, all this stuff that, uh, writing, all the stuff that uh, is entertainment is also things people do as an outlet. They, they would do it for free, right? It's things they mm-hmm. do in their spare yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those avenues, it's, it's an area where uh, so many people want to do that as a job. So it makes it, as a million people want that position and a lot of people will do anything to do it. It's ripe for exploitation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. And because of that, I, I don't, I don't think any of us who, you know, kind of delve into the idea of doing this stuff as a career should ever really expect any degree of real fairness because it's just, it's a, you know, all these industries are insidious. You know? it's, yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a fantasy really, you know, like I think because, you know, a lot of, you know, images and things are engineered by other people, you know, yeah. they're in their engine, especially like, you know, you look at like big artists, pop artists, like those images are, they're engineered by PR people and a team of people that, you know, you know, have concepts and looks and things like that, you know? Um, and so it's, yeah, it's just, it's not, it's not real. Um, you know, Lady Gaga takes her makeup off every day. Probably has zits on her face, and it's like, yeah, like, like, but like, you buy that that image, right? <sighs> I think people do, but I think people do want authenticity in the artists that are the real, like, connective ones. You know, whether it's mm-hmm. Adele or Billie Eilish. I think the mm-hmm. reason why people love those individuals is because it does kind of feel as real as maybe they can get. Like, oh, I connect this person because they're giving me a piece of their soul to some degree. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, it- and I can totally see that for sure. And, you know, I think I think people connect. I mean, in general, people connect, I think, with metal because of that, you know, you're pissed off and you feel that, you know? And, uh, you know, people, yeah, people connect with that as well. So um, I guess it's just all, all, you know, all in what you're sort of, what you're after in life, you know, um, I think, I don't know, people connect with or had connected with Kitty because, uh, you know, even though there was a lot of that polish, like uh, we were always very accessible, you know, and yeah. um, we also always did try to make sure that we weren't, um, you know, especially because we were young, like you were mentioning like exploitation and, you know, how the industry sort of really bad for that. And, you know, that was something that was always very at the forefront of our minds and our parents' minds when we were under yes, the age I don't, I don't know if it's a Canadian thing, but you guys are always so nice. And um, and, and I know nice is like the worst adjective. It's just so fucking like- It's so nothing. broad. It's so nothing. But but yeah. no, but I mean that, like, like I said, it's like, I don't like I said, I don't know if it's like, like the Canadian thing, but it, but when you guys, you know, would put out uh, your documentaries and stuff and, you know, there wasn't this artifice and, and maybe because you guys, got so successful when you were young you i don't know if you ever had that rock star phase or or like you know i'm too big for this or like you know you just seem like someone who uh and collectively just the egos were in check for whatever reason i don't i don't know what was that because your maybe your parents were involved you're kind of helping uh, out and i don't know like per, like personally i think there's a lot of different things that were involved in that um 
you know, and also the reason why we didn't get like fucked up as like child stars. You know, like you see people that are like, oh, you know, like they start out super young and like they, you know, drugs that happen and, you know, yep. they can't cope and whatever. But I think it's, there's a lot of things. I mean, when we first started, yeah, we were, you know, my dad was managing and my mom was doing merch stuff for us. And it was because by, you know, the court of New York, where we signed our, our, um, record contract that like we had to have like a guardian on, on tour with us until everybody turned 18 or whatever um but my parents were always like pretty cool they were never like uh oh you can't drink that or whatever like we were doing <laughs> that stuff well before any of you know the band stuff even happened. well the legal age so in it, canada's 18 though right uh to drink well it's 19. 19 in ontario yeah okay so but uh, but like even well before 19 uh, you know, like, uh, not like, you know, I, you know, woke up, you know, when I was five years old drinking beers or anything like that, but yeah, like, you know, we were kids and we, we were sort of, my parents were pretty lenient and, and let us sort of, you know, experience those things. And so, yeah, like we, you know, like we were on Ozfest and my sister was drinking with Pantera and barfing on her shoes, you know, when she was 16 years old. Um, <laughs> and you know, it was like, kind of like, but I don't know, it's weird because I think that being from from where we were from you know a smaller city uh like three four hundred thousand people um and you know we're canadian we always kind of just never felt like we were like we belonged mm-hmm. and like you know the fact that we're like you know like probably like half the age of most like people that we were out on tour with as well was always kind of a weird thing and you know um yeah, so we were always just kind of like, you know, like, oh, like, here we are. Like, let's just like, you know, like everything was this really ex- exciting and, and new and like, oh, my God, like, I'm fans of that. I'm a fan of that band and like we're playing with them. And it was never like, I'm, you know, you know, fuck those guys. It was it was more like, wow, this is like uh, it was an, an eye opening experience. And like for somebody that young, like for your like dreams to come true, Um was was kind of humbling you know and uh of course we like had our moments or whatever but um i, I said know, mountain dew mom and throw that's it right face. fuck you <laughs> i don't want um, sprite bitch <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so like i feel like i don't know there's a lot of a lot of different things at play i feel like my my parents in particular because you know mercedes and i are related uh, we, I don't know, they're just, we're a certain way and it made us not fucked up. And we, uh, we managed to get through it like relatively normal and unscathed and not too like mentally like scarred by a lot of the crazy shit that happened to us. Cause it was very crazy. Um, and, uh, but you know, it takes a, a certain kind of person, um, to, uh, to, to get to this point, to be able to reflect back and still say you're here. Right. So, um, and we've had a lot of lineup changes and, you know, not every young person is, is capable of handling those things. And that's just the way that, that it was. Um, so I don't know. Uh,
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. I just... I'll, I'll chalk it up to uh, you were raised right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. Seems, I think that's, I think that's like. a big, a big, big part of it for sure. You know, um, but I don't know. I, like, I'm very serious about about you know being a musician, but I have learned that not not taking things seriously is like the best way to like survive and cope. Yeah, because um, it's like you know what shit happens. This this happens. Not much you can fucking do about it. You know, you can't. You can't, uh, yeah, if you, if you, like, you don't have control over a lot of these situations, so you just have to kind of shrug and be like, well, that fucking sucks. Next well, thing. Yeah, I mean, and I would, I would just point that to just having uh, a bit of wisdom beyond your years and in, in kind of understanding that. And this is something when I had Mercedes on, on the show that, mm. that I said was, you know, touring with you guys. My favorite part about it was your attitude is that you guys, despite the fact that the band wasn't anywhere near as big as the band used to be, and you guys were touring in a van. Yeah. You didn't, there was not one ounce of bitterness. There was not one ounce of, um, oh, we deserve this or this sucks because it's not that. It Every day, you guys seemed like you just enjoyed playing music and being around people that you liked and you 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 seem to really appreciate the fact that you had the opportunity to do it. And that's something yeah. that I saw around me with other bands who had experienced much, you know, you know, I, I would I would say transitions that that weren't widely as different, but so many other I think artists I've met felt they were owed some outcome mm-hmm. or that again this kind of going back to this idea of fairness right mm-hmm. that we, that, yeah. that we yeah. talked about that this isn't fair 
we should be bigger. We should be playing these venues. We should be opening for these bands. I should be coming home with this amount of money. And uh, and I get a lot of that, especially if you're getting older and maybe you have a family or and you put in X and you want it, you think you should get out Y. I totally get it, but it was just really inspiring to be around you guys uh, because it was a tough time for our band. And yeah, I know you guys probably you had similar struggles, right? Where um you know like every like you just sometimes you just felt like you just can't get ahead or like you can't catch a break or like all, all the tours you know it's all the same and, um you know i never why. blamed like any i never blamed any like out like like any big thing at um in general to me it was all always either nine out of ten times i think most of our issues were self-created you know for just mm-hmm. you know or I think it's a situation of just like, you know what? Sometimes it's just timing, right? Sometimes yes. you gotta put out the right record at the right time, or you need this one break. And, you know, the not having great luck doesn't necessarily mean you had bad luck. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, n- not yeah, winning the sure. lottery doesn't mean you're gonna get struck by lightning. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's, totally. Most stuff is kind of somewhere in in the middle, you know? And I made it a purpose to learn from mistakes and not uh, be bitter. Because if the truth is, if I was bitter and if I did like take a woe is me victim attitude, I wouldn't have moved to L.A. and started from scratch again and joined other bands. Mm-hmm. And because I again, you know, even though, you know, you know, even though like, like I said, you guys are a little y- younger than me you know, at that time when we toured, I could still take a lesson and go, man, they're, they have a great attitude and that's something I should learn from and take that attitude and appreciate that. I love playing music. It's like, is there somewhere else I'd rather be than on this stage? Well, no. yeah, I mean, and that's kind of it, right? It's like, you know, like sometimes you get dealt a shitty hand and I definitely think that, you know, there were many times that we did, but we were still given the opportunity. And I think, you know, the fact that we were, you know, like shows not sometimes not great turnouts, you know, it was very demoralizing, but you know, the people that did show up were the, you know, you changed their life. You, they really cared. And th- those were some of the things that, that definitely kept us going as well. Right. Um, and, and isn't it interesting now to think about how like here we are and it's like 20 years later and now all of a sudden, you know, people care again. Like you got, you, like no, but like really, right? Like you, you guys got an offer for a Blue Ridge for God forbid, and it's like, you know, I'm sure it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. And and it's it's a, just an interesting thing to like to ha- you know have. Um, you know, have a like purpose again, kind of, you know, like it's, it's sort of invigorating, right? Like, you know, for a really long time, to, especially towards the end of, of, you know, like our like touring life with Kitty, you know, like, you know, like we did have a good attitude, but like some of that shit, it really did take a toll on us, you know, like it was very demoralizing, you know, like playing sometimes in front, front of like 30 people or 50 people or even less than that, um, you know, having just, fucked up situations happen and, and those types of things. And I think that's part of the reason why we were like, well, you know, people, it was hard because, you know, 
people it just felt like people stopped caring and so we're like okay well maybe we'll just like you know figure something else out for a while but it's just weird that time marches on and then all of a sudden you know you get asked to do big festivals for like the kinds of money that you like i don't know never seen ever or like you know like people are like that are like half your age or like pumped to see you for like the first time ever like it's just it's mind-blowing it's just so mind-blowing and did, uh, did you guys ever officially like break up or was it always kind of like an extended no, hiatus no just uh we just kind of like faded into the shadows <laughs> um just stepped back a bit what, um yeah what, no we what, never what, we never did what was that you know was that just like a conversation between you and and mercedes like hey you know state of the union like uh what what does the future kind of kind of look like for us and what do we want to do? Well, I think for a really long time Mercedes was upset with me because I thought that that was what we should do that we should just not anymore. And I think Mercedes Mercedes is cut from a different cloth. I've I've come to understand her position. <laughs> She's special. A bit, a bit more. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've come I've come to understand it, but I think for like she would be happy to tour in a van for the rest of her life and just yeah. live that scumbag life. Right. And it's like, <laughs> and no, and that's totally fine. That's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There are people that love that, that stuff, but punk I, rock. I, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not so much like that. And I can remember there was moments on tour, uh, that the very last tour that we did, which was with us and the agonist and blackguard, it was uh, 2012. Canadian metal, yeah. Yeah, it was like such a Canadian, such a Canadian <laughs> thing, and it was while Elisa was still in the Agonist as well. It was like one of the, I think one, maybe one of the last things that she did with them before she ended up uh, joining Arch Enemy because that was in like the years after that. Um, but yeah, so like I can remember moments where like some of the shows were just like super like, ugh. and I remember like Tara saying, you know, like I think. Like, I, I think I, I, I want to, you know, like, it's really, this is really demoralizing. I think I, I want to try other stuff too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she's, she's always been, you know, an excellent guitar player and she's made a, a career out of being that person. She Tara's, Tara's a pro. Tara's a pro. Bands and stuff. Yeah. Now. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm super happy about that. But I just remember that, like the general, uh, the general feeling uh of during that last tour and then those months afterwards was kind of just like uh we just kind of you know dragged our asses home and, and that was it um and you know in the in that following year we like dissolved everything we sold shit we just like you know any infrastructure that we had for like band stuff and all this like shit tons of gear and all that stuff we just sold it and like or like yeah, like sold it to like, I think there's like a company that like does like your rentals and they still have like some of Kitty's like um, road cases that they, you know, put, you know, their stuff in and like send them for backline for festivals and stuff. So every once in a while I show up, but like, yeah, we were just like, you know what? I think this is, I think this is it, you know, like it's time to, to downsize and to accept that maybe uh, the, you know, the dream, the dream is killing you and, and maybe it's time to like, you know, maybe look for 
meaning elsewhere. I don't know. That's maybe just kind of how how I saw it. Because, yeah, there's a, there, I mean, it's a huge part of my life. It's all I did for, like, you know, 15 straight years. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I ever had a problem, like, um, you know, like, who am I outside of the band or whatever. Like, it sounds so deep, like, oh, who am I? Um, but there might have been a little bit of that. Um, just trying to, you know, have a, a game plan of like, okay, well, how am I going to like, you know, get a normal job when I've never had a normal job before? <laughs> well, like, it's... like that kind of shit, you know, and yeah. just be like, well, like it's a safety net because, you know, when, th- when things are not great, you know, when music's not paying your bills anymore, like, like what the fuck do you do? You know, you got, you got a mortgage, you got a, you got to figure something out, right? Yeah. I mean, but th- listen, this, this is what, I, this is why I started the show for mm. this, for this point, right? That I went mm. through, that yeah. you went through. Yeah, and a lot of people have, I'm sure of it. Yeah, and, but, you know, I was though definitively like, I don't know who I am. Do I want to do music? Do I, you know, like, uh, and it's funny because I was, I was just thinking about your skill set, right? As someone who is a really good singer, really good screamer and also a very good guitar player. I'm like, in a weird way, if I walked away from that and, you know, like I said, you're, you're charismatic and you know, you're, you're, you know, you have this other extra thing as, as well. Um, if I was done with Kitty, I, I like, I, if I wonder if I was you, I'd be like, almost like, all right, so I should, maybe I should join Arch Enemy or something. You know what I'm saying? Like m- maybe not Arch Enemy, but, something like that like i i'm almost surprised that um i don't know or maybe you did entertain ideas like that of maybe joining another band or because like i said that's a very it's hard to find someone who can do all that stuff in a band that has talent that has experience um that's Mm. not crazy (laughs) Um, well yeah that's true that the crazy bit for sure um well nobody called so Nobody, Nobody called. called. Well, but again, no. you guys didn't officially break up, so no one probably knew. I guess. I guess. No, you know, you're right. You're right. Um, uh, yeah, no, well, I don't know. Like, I, I certainly have have had many thoughts about that. Like, I do have another band now. We haven't put out the album. Car Chaos, right? Yeah, yeah. We haven't put out the album that we've been working on because the pandemic just really <sighs> took the wind out of our sails. But um, it's, it's just about done. I think the final mixing will be happening fairly soon. Um, it was tracked with Christian Donaldson from Cryptopsy and he's going to be mixing and mastering too. So, um, were you you on the previous two records? No. no. Okay. I was was like, I I am, I I am the new singer. Okay, dude. It's, um, I was listening to the old stuff. I'm like, this stuff is metal. Yeah. So I was like, this is exciting. Yeah. I'm excited to hear you on that. Yeah, no. Um, well, yeah, like everything is, is done. Uh, it took. Like, it's so crazy because this, that whole, you know, lockdown, everything happened. I was supposed to be going uh, into the studio to record vocals like that spring. And then everything just went to shit. And then there was like another time that a couple other times during that that two year period where I like planned to go. But then it was like, no, can't go. Planned to go, can't go. Um, Where's the band based? Hmm? Where's the band based? Uh, Montreal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm the only uh, Anglophone in the band. How's your French? Uh, it's it's 
not very good. Okay. Um, I mean, How's... it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know, Quebecois is like something completely different. Uh, I gotta, I gotta get on my lessons for sure. But yeah, so um, like that, that ended up sort of like just getting, you know, shelved for uh, a couple of years, but everything is finally finished now. I've last uh, November, I, I went and visited uh, Christian Donaldson and stayed at his place in his basement with our drummer Justine and just tracked like every day, like 10 hours a day. Holy shit. Straight vocals. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, apparently, I apparently I impressed him with my vocal stamina. Um, you, you good, but, but right? To, you good. Well, I, I was watching those you. clips. I'm like, man, you got the because your your scream is almost like a like a black metal. Like it's so it's like little, growly. It's a and, yeah, yeah. But as I'm saying, it's like it it feels like that's the it almost. What I'm saying is, it almost seems like it would actually fit better with like a melodic death metal band than even mm-hmm. like Hitty, you know, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, like I used the time uh, that I had during the pandemic when, you know, I wasn't working and all these things to sort of um, take a different approach and practice and um, try to, uh, I don't know, find, I guess, a new voice with Car Chaos because... I knew that, like, I had all this time. What was I going to do? I was literally practicing, like, three months, like, five days a week, like, in, like, huge stretches. And my, like, vocals made leaps and bounds. And, like, there is some stuff on this album that I'm, like, I listen to it and, I, like, I weep because it's so evil. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, like, man, I can't fucking wait. Um, and there's some moments, uh, like, vocal moments that I'm, like, this is, like, the, the crowning achievement of my musical career with like you know some of the like lows and stuff like i've always just wanted to like have like a really really deep like death metal voice and and i oh, so you're really getting to deeper try, to try yeah that's that oh, was my okay. goal that was my goal Interesting. Just, there's there's some highs as well you know and i'm obviously singing as well because the dynamic of the band is is that um but i wanted to maybe like step outside my kitty box and I still sound like me, obviously, but yeah. it's just it's just like a little bit more like on steroids, I guess. But it's important to like be able to feel like you're, you know, um, you're challenged. And like this band, the musicianship is incredible. Um, everybody is amazing musicians. Uh, and I, I, too, wanted to step up and meet that bar, I guess. So. Well, I um, I'm excited for it because I check out the band and I'm like, this is, this is, this is really cool. Um, and it's, it's just cool to see you stretch your, stretch your legs a little bit and, and, and try some, some, some different things. Uh, wh- what else were you doing? I mean, so this is, I know Car Chaos is more the last few years, yeah. but mm-hmm. you know, when you kind of had that moment of, all right, I got to figure out what the hell I'm doing. I, I don't know if my skill set pertains to a job market. What, what did you end up doing? What, like with like a real job or with like music? Yeah. No, with, with a, a, like a real job. Did you get a real job or you're just like, you know what? I'm oh, yeah. I'm a coach. Yeah, no, I'm moving I'll in just, with. I'll just, I'll just live on this $1,200 that I get from, from publishing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do it. Do it. Who needs to eat? All right. Right. Nah. No. Um. Yeah, I did. Um. I started off doing uh, like part-time stuff, uh, mostly customer service and like uh, did a few different jobs. I worked for a fitness company for quite a long time that was my previous job and i left 
during the pandemic from that job because I just thought that they were uh, not really um, like they weren't, it didn't seem like they were taking like a lot of this COVID stuff seriously. And like mm. for business, you know, it's just like, I don't know. They were like, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just all bad. It's like, like morally, like they're, the way that they were conducting themselves and some of the things that they were putting out there just didn't jive with me personally. So I left them and now I, uh, I work for a software company. There you go. There you go. Software. Right. <laughs> <Jump>. <laughs> it's funny. Mercedes actually works for the same company. It's so weird. We always end up in the same fucking place. It's so weird. Our lives are, I mean, obviously like she's my sister, but like, like our lives are so intertwined. It's like, it's, it's strange. Cause she also worked for that same fitness company for See? a number of years as well. It's a beautiful thing. And now we're just like back and yeah, doing stuff and being, I guess, normies or whatever. Mercedes, <laughs> yeah. She, she's, she's doing great with the same job too. So yeah, it's, it's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, one of the other things, one of the ventures is you got into this, into this game, the podcast game. With the yeah. uh, the Witchfinger podcast, uh, you know horror film more or less like vintage horror film, or is it you guys yeah. first do do everything all films, or is it mainly just horror? It's mostly horror. Yeah. Um, there, we did like some video stuff where we were like, oh, we want to talk about some other non horror movies that we really liked. But yeah, Witchfinger. I think we started in 2016. We haven't done something anything for like a good six months now because. The pandemic was just so tough and I, everybody's kind of got their own uh, personal post-pandemic struggles going on uh, with that. But uh, yeah, we were like, oh, we think we're hilarious. Let's just record ourselves and maybe other people will also think that we are hilarious, which it turns out, I guess, maybe they do. They um, do. Well, you guys are the dream. All right. You're the nerd's dream, right? Three really attractive women who like horror movie, old horror movies, drink beer and like heavy metal. Like, yeah, right? it's, it's basically, you know, that's, it's, you know, you're, I think that that is ripe for the picking for an audience or these, these nerdy guys, they just want to, that, you know, the, I'm sure they all have crushes on you and just want to tune well, that's in. Very, and that's very nice. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm just saying it's a great formula. All right. You know, it is. Yeah. Well, we, we, we love it. Like, uh, Megan, you know, my co-hosts are, um, like, Two of my best friends. I've known Yasmin. Uh, you probably even met Yasmin before, like years and years. I don't know ago. if I ever. I know we're like internet friends. She's. I think she said we we met. I think at at, at some point. You think, you probably would have um, at some show or festival, maybe yeah. during the tour that we did together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I've known her for like you know like twenty five years. Like she's one of my closest friends, and yeah, we just love bad movies. It's something that we've always sort of been into. I have you know we collect vhs which is hilarious how many vhs we talking about what we talking about oh her collection is absurd i go over to her place and i'm like i have a lot of work to do um but uh i probably have like maybe close to a thousand holy shit like 800 maybe i don't know wow something like that yeah and do you now so you got did you have already have like an old VCR? Did you have to like acquire one? Well, oh, I have. A, I have. A, I don't have like my original one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I definitely uh, have a few of them. Sometimes they're easy to come by. You just like go to the thrift store and it's there for fifty cents. 
Yeah, but if you um, want a new one, it's it'll cost you like three hundred dollars. New ones. Oh, are they're very they're very expensive now. They're very expensive. Yeah. Um, I think even like the like VCR DVD combo. I think my sister got one for Christmas like a, like fifteen years ago. Not even back then, it was like three hundred bucks. So would you hook? Um, so when you have an old VCR and old mm-hmm. an old videotape, yeah, and you put that on a brand new like you know flat screen HD. 4k does it look yeah weird or does it look normal um, i mean it looks like a tape it doesn't look like uh doesn't look like a blu-ray no i know sure. but I'm, I'm just wondering like what it i like it's <laughs> it's been so long and the technology is, is, yeah <laughs> um it's it's funny uh it does it does um so like when you watch something on a tape and it's through vcr but like it's still on like a good tv yeah um uh, it still looks like it would on any other TV. Like, I think when you transfer a movie to like Blu-ray is when you start noticing like all the like really bad stuff. Like, you know, the things that like uh, the fuzz of a, of a VHS would cover up. Yeah. Like, you know, like the strings that are like holding like, you know, a monster or something like you can't see that on tape, but when you remaster that on Blu-ray, you're like, wow, that's fucked. That's terrible. I can see everything. No, I. Um, so I'm, so yeah, I'm, the, cl- the clarity. It looks good. It's just the clear. It's not the same. Uh, the same clarity. But that's part of the charm. That's part of the charm, though, right? Yeah, totally. And a lot of the movies, uh, like the point of that, I think, is uh, like the nostalgia factor. But also, a lot of these movies actually have never had DVD or Blu-ray, Blu-ray releases. Yeah. I know there are a lot of companies like, you know, Shout Factory or Arrow. Um, vinegar syndrome they you know buy up all these uh uh, terrible terrible awful movies and then they'll you know restore them and go to the great lengths to to fix stuff up and whatnot um come a a robocop arrow yeah yeah that's that's a good one i got my true romance arrow release what else i got i found this john carpenter um was it? It's like a four movie from the uk so i I, i'm on the 4k tip so Mm -hmm. um because what basically, you know, any, I always want like the best version of something. So it's like mm-hmm. kind of the opposite of the, 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 the VHS collection. Yeah, the shittier, the better with VHS, right? <laughs> well, no, because I feel like every, you know, I remember when DVD players first came out. And I started watching stuff on, on DVDs and I was like, I almost felt like I was watching movies for the first time again. You know, because you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I've never, because... Back in the day, you would see something even on TV, and right, it was the sides were cut off, right, and we almost yeah. didn't real, we like didn't even really realize that it wasn't the theatrical uh, presentation, and so it was like in a in a way, I kind of re fell in love with movies in kind of the late you know mid mid late nineties mm-hmm. going to early two thousands, and then had a huge collection, sold it. And kind of didn't really delve too much into the Blu-ray stuff, even though I, I, it was a big improvement. But now that the 4K Blu-rays, I'm like, I'm like, you're, you're like, basically, I need that, yeah. Well, it's it's you're like, this is the best version of this that exists. And if you have a yeah, great TV, sure. um, it's just nice knowing. And 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 the reason why I guess I get into it a little more than just the streaming is, you know, it could be on streaming, but they could take it down, right? Like you're not That's always true. gonna gonna have access to it. Um, so it's like, and I'm not going to get it for everything, but it's just my f- absolute favorite movies. I'm like, I will have it and no one could take it away from me. 
yeah, and you can watch it until like what 8K comes along and then 16. I can't see good enough to really recognize 8K. <laughs> and it's come to my attention that even 4K isn't really 4K, that it's actually mastered in 2K and then it's upscaled for oh. most most films. It's not really true 4K. False unless advertising. Because it, I guess it has to be originally captured in 4K. I don't, I don't know the exact details, but I've, I've read that it's not true 4K, um, but that's fine. It still looks amazing to me. I mean, and listen, there's, yeah. depends on the film, depends on the transfer. Because sometimes with these old films, the original tapes are not in, the original film is not in great condition. So it has to be mm -hmm. restored. It has to, there's all these, you know, like like uh, the Blade uh, one, for example, they actually like, you know, they go in frame by frame and kind of clean up each mm -hmm. of the, yeah. you know, uh, you know all, all, all the stuff. So it's, a, it's, it's less, you know, cause some have that grain, right? That I actually really mm -hmm. love, you know, yeah. with like older films and that got, I guess it's it's less grainy, but it looks. I think it looks amazing. You know, Blade's a great movie. It's amazing. It's the only thing that sucks movie. about Blade is that the effects at the end of the movie. It, it almost looks look like good. It, no, it looks like they ran out of money because the effects yeah. at the beginning of the movie are amazing, like, awesome, yeah, yeah. And then because like he'll shoot the vampires with the silver bullets and they'll like disintegrate mm. and it looks amazing. Yeah. And then they're just like, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, we spent all the money on. Um, you know, Wesley Snipes Barber. So we, we, got, we got no money. <laughs> but some of those movies, I'm like, because I mean, they keep making, like, you know, it's like you make a movie like Blade, right? And they yeah. own the rights to it and they kind of make money off it forever. It's like, you think when they go into the 4K, maybe spend a little money, like retouch the effects, right? Yeah, know. well, like, kind of like how George Lucas did with uh, with some of the Star Wars stuff that he did. Didn't yeah, he where, add in some extra where he ruined that? Where he ruined the movies? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people complain about that. I don't know. I, I like it's kind of weird, but like in theory, yes, you could do that and like make you know some effects better. I, I guess think I support, it. especially if they're just bad, you know. Because like I got mm. uh, Jurassic Park on 4K, and the transfer is it is so unbelievable how good this movie looks. I mean, it's it's absurd. Like it it's one of the best transfers, and. It's funny. There's only like the first time you see a dinosaur is those big like brontosauruses. Yeah, and it's in like and it the day. It still looks good. It still looks good, but it's the 4K kind of exposes mm, how really? good it wasn't compared. But the rest of the movie where, where it's pretty much in the dark, it the effects are absolutely incredible and it holds up. Like it holds up incredible. And even that, it doesn't look bad. It's just like you're seeing it so clear that mm -hmm. you can just see things that that weren't as apparent. But for for the most part, it's the effects are like, it's insane that it still looks as good. Like, you know, I know, like, honestly, like that, uh, like I remember, I remember, uh, I read the books before Ooh. the movie came out of Jurassic Park. And I remember like seeing it in the theater when it came out and just my mind was like fucking blown. And to this day, when I see it, I'm still like, na, 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 na. single tear. It's so, it's so good. It holds up so well. And like, you know, for at a time a when, like, you know, CGI and all that stuff is like just sort of in its infancy. Um, like the fact that it looked so realistic. And then you see like other fucking movies from like 1994 that came out with like CGI and like, what the fuck is this lawnmower man shit? <laughs> was that 94? No, I think it was earlier than that. I, got I a, saw I, 
I saw the lawnmower man in the theater. I, yeah. I feel like like I always get this like urge whenever like talking about movies. I like I gotta look it up. I gotta I gotta know. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, gotta, gotta go on IMDb and Google oh, it. Who is that oh, person? Oh, we can we can look it up. Here we go. You know, no, no one cares. Wonder Woman is probably 1991, maybe. Oh. 92. By the way, I googled just lawnmower <laughs> by accident, and I'm seeing a bunch of 92, 92. Okay, yeah, yeah. But keep in mind, oh, I mean, two years, two years. Yeah, like, but not, but. Lawnmower Man ain't don't have no Jurassic Park budget. Shit was, they were, <laughs> you know. If, That's if, true. If Jeff Fahey is is starring your movie, you know your your budget. Yeah, you know, like you're down the, the wrongs a bit for sure. Yeah, they're doing what they can. Yeah, I'm not I'm not yeah. hitting on them too much, but it's not from what I, even back then I remember it not being that good. The Lawnmower Man and me being like this. Movie's oh no, no it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> so, do you have any? You have like a top five horror films that you can speak to. Um, yeah, like I, I, I mean, I could probably pull the list out of my ass if I really need to. I did not come prepared. I'm just um, off the door. It doesn't have to be like a hard top five, but just you know, um, generally, like these are some of your your favorites. All time favorites. Um, uh, Return of the Living Dead, probably my number one of uh, of all of all time, maybe. I don't know. That's really hard to say, but like, it's just so ridiculous. I haven't seen it in so um, long. Oh, you watch it again. I don't know if, if you if you have a 4K Blu-ray, you'll probably just be disappointed. But no. uh, I don't know. There's just something so I don't know, so silly about it. It's like it's one of the better zombie movies I think that was ha- happening in the 80s. But there's just this like you know kind of uh, self awareness in it that's like. Uh, that makes it kind of uh, comedic. No, it, it, but what are you talking there's still about? so it many disturbing things comedic. about it. No, it's send more cops. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. The zombies but, like, can talk and Yeah, run. but like the scene where they, uh, where shit just starts happening and like they've let all the gas out and torment and then the guy that's like the cadaver that's like hanging in the other room and he's like all like yellow and he like comes to life. It's like, fuck, I'm like, Five years old again when I watched that shit. I'm like, this is so fucked up. And you like, watched when you were five? Like, oh, uh, yeah. I was, I was watching some, some, when I was younger, I, I was allowed to watch that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it just like, like fucking burns into your brain, right? Like, really, like, things now that you're like, wow, that's kind of funny. But like, when you're a kid, you're like pretty disturbed. Like, the one, the one uh, scene too where um, in the medical, uh, like, facility or whatever that they have there they have the those dogs that are like split in half and i guess it's supposed to be like a medical like like uh reference tool or whatever and they're like just like a it's like a scottish terrier cut in half and like it's like organs you can see them and then it comes to life and it starts barking it's like what the fuck? it's <laughs> such a demented thing i didn't i didn't know if, if if split dogs are a real thing but i mean a split hot dog you know you split that yeah. in half you yeah, know, delicious. By the way, I, I like your move where I asked you for a few and then you started filibustering. You're like, you know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to buy some time so I can think yeah. of my second second favorite. All right. That's second favorite. Um, <laughs> I, uh, This is really hard. Uh, well, you, listen, don't um, don't don't worry Fright about Night, it. I'd say Fright Night. That's another really good favorite. Respect. Respect. Yeah, that's an incredible movie. Um, yeah, actually, the... The Witchfinger girls and I went down to uh, Niagara Falls Comic Con like a couple years ago, 
And we met Chris Sarandon um, because we were like, we need to meet him. He's is he amazing. the sexiest man alive all time? Is he number one? <laughs> I mean, no, but like he does that so I mean, well. back like, then though, I don't mean now, like at maybe, the time. Maybe, yeah. Like, I mean, that that the scene with the like at the, the dance club and like the boat neck uh, yeah, sweater. So- that's what, and like the fucking trench coat. What about, when he's, eat, what about when he's Friday eating the episode? apple? You know, he's eating the yeah. apple. And he's like, That's right. Yeah. If you listen know. to our Fright Night episode, you there's a lot of screaming happening. Like we're yelling, we're drunk, we're like, <laughs> it's just yeah, vampire dreams coming true. That's an incredible movie. Um, Marcy from uh, <laughs> from, yeah, from Married with uh, Children. Married with Children. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's weird, right? Sex, you know, they 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 were trying to sex her up. I'm like, she does, she just looks, she's fine. Yeah, I was never into Marcy, but that's just a nice lady. Yeah, I mean, she's fine. She's fine. Shout out to to Marcy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, yeah. No, there's so so many good bad movies out there. It's hard hard to to pick. Well, well, Uh, but but I feel like that's a good one. Halloween three. Yeah. Is that so? That's the one. That's That's the not Michael Myers. Yeah. I remember yeah. being creeped out by that one. Yeah, with the masks, like kids put on masks and then their heads melt and then turn into bugs. It yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think I like it because I think that whole franchise like was sort of based on the whole Michael Myers thing. And apparently, like John Carpenter didn't want to do Michael Myers for every movie. He, was he wanted like, to do okay. an anthology. Yeah. So first one, first two, Michael Myers. That's cool. And then he was going to start doing like a different Halloween story every every time, and then that movie didn't do well. So he's like, "Well, I guess go back to the formula of Michael Myers." But I like the third one. I think it's because because it's so different and silly. By the way, you know when uh, Stranger Things came out, I thought mm-hmm. that's what that show was going to be. I thought it was going to be like here's one, yeah, like every uh-huh. season would be like an '80s style, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you know sci-fi horror story and i hoped it would be that because i don't want to see them kids grow up all right they look all awkward they got they have weird voices they look strange i'm like i'm like i didn't know stranger things was going to be puberty (laughs) yeah no honestly yeah i i stopped watching it after the first the first i think i maybe watched the second season and i was like i don't really care that much like the first season was perfect this new season actually was pretty great was it i really i have not I haven't given that a, a go yet, but I did. I did really like the first season, and the second season was alright too. Like that, as a as a package, there I think it was okay. But after that, I was kind of like, that's right. They got deep voices and and fucking yeah, you it's know, just fucking weird. You know, they're on they're on the pill. It's weird. Uh, yeah, they just they just took to they just it just uh, for some reason like I feel like you know it gets it gets kind of played out. It's like you know clearly they're doing it because it's like it's really popular and you know it's making people lots of money and all that stuff but like sometimes like knowing when to quit when something is the story arc is perfect that's key this is america all right we're trying yeah. to people trying to make money right <laughs> capitalism all right you gotta you yeah. gotta if you gotta wring every dollar out and trust me when these kids grow up it'll in 20 years from now they're going to be doing the stranger things reunion tour reboot, you know yeah, where it's reboot, like their yeah. kids are dealing with the upside down, right? That's yeah, how you like gotta... the like the new Ghostbusters one. Like, exactly, know. it's gonna be yeah. the same. It's gonna be the same thing. Or they'll just keep making shows with these people. We never know. All right, this it, it's the IP. All right, uh, 
successful IP never dies in our mm. current current environment. So to speak to your your list, you you kind of almost like broke off into a second category, which is like good bad movies, which I think yeah. is different than just your favorite movies. Because I think we could do the good you know favorite good bad movies uh, or, yeah. or bad horror movies, which is you know. But I guess for you, maybe I guess for you, if you're like this is so bad, it's great but it's still one of my favorites. I think that's fine because it doesn't have to be good for you to like, think like it or to say it's your favorite, you know? Totally. This is true. This is true. I have a couple just off the top of my head of good, bad, that I that I need to just get out, get them out, out there. So Deadly Prey, do you know this movie? I do not. Okay, you need to watch it. It's All right. one of the most incredible movies ever. <laughs> um, it, you should just watch it. I'm sure, I think you can get it streaming. I think it's on was on Tubi for a while. It might be on Prime. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I think there was probably even a, a rip on YouTube. Like, but it's incredible. It's this it looks like an action everything. movie, though. It is. It is. It's an action movie. Um, it's got like uh, kind of like uh, surviving the game and Rambo and all kinds of that kind of stuff in in it. Um, and it's definitely worth it there's a By lot the way, of like, speaking really speaking of sexy guys that aren't chris sarandon all right i'm looking at the pictures all right this guy is ripped he's wearing some like really tight jorts yeah um, Ted you know, so yeah. Show, showing his like you know his package it's it's like really framing his his package in a way the guy's ripped up so i i already see why morgan's really in this movie all right yeah there's a, there's a lot going for it you know this is like uh it's like sexy ken doll rambo yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of Ted Pryor and his brother <laughs> the, is the one that directed the movie and nice. Ted Ted and uh, David A. Pryor have done a lot of like those kinds of like bad good bad action movies in the '80s that are all worth watching all of them <laughs> they are incredible but Deadly Prey like just just watch it and then tell me what you think because right. it's it's so good. There's so many just ridiculous moments. It's absurd. Um, and the acting is incredible as well. Um, and Ted Pryor's thighs don't hurt. Um, <laughs> his, what, uh, his, his, his what doesn't hurt? His, his thighs. His thighs. You're into his thighs. They're so meaty, you know? like Meaty thighs. Whoa. Yeah, this, that's this, right. This, this podcast took a turn. I love it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think another one. Rotor. Rotor's another one. Rotor. Yeah, it's R O T O R. All right. The 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 uh, the cover is like the most incredible piece of art, but it's also Mad Max, just like in the flip in the reverse. <laughs> it's an but hold but, on, Rotor is an acronym though. You forgot to mention yeah. that. <laughs> Robot Officer Tactical Operations research i think yeah is that it shitty robocop is that what it is oh it's exactly what it is it's exactly what it is but he's like he's bad so, okay yeah it's like he's like terminator ish like terminator meets kinda. robocop yeah he's maniac so he's kind of like yeah he's kind of like somebody's dad with a mustache like walking around killing people um but he's a robot guy uh nice. that movie is incredibly bad um Dude, but this is an epic so, mustache so though Mm-hmm. This is it's like so funny. This is the type of mustache every authoritarian cop should have, right? Because that's just going to command respect in the streets, you know. Oh yeah, totally, totally. It's uh, it's definitely the eighties, the eighties. Uh, it's kind of handlebarish, almost head, almost Hetfield esque. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Almost. he's got and like the helmet, everything. You know, like he's got motorcycle cop like face going on, helmet, glasses, everything. Yeah. All right. This is a. Uh, listen, I like this list. It's like eye opening. Uh, we no, because we got a little bit of everything, right? We got some straight yeah. horror. We have some so bad it's good. We got some action. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I I like I like the versatility here, and and I did Absolutely. put you on the spot, and I apologize. Oh no, it's fine. I could talk about this shit for hours. I know, hence, <laughs> hence the podcast. The only problem is we're, we're, you know, we don't, none of us have a beer in our hands, which, I know, which makes true, which makes the conversation flow even, even more. Even though I have done some some drunk podcasts, I did one with Buzz from Unearth that was, oh, that would be fun, insane. It was insane. Like I got really drunk. I, my girlfriend made me three different drinks, and I was drinking them all at the same time. And I got a, I don't know if this ever happened to you. I got a hangover in the middle of the day. Like I didn't wait to like pass out and mm-hmm. wake up with a hangover. I just, it went straight to hangover. So that's, that's how drunk I got. Oof. Yeah. That's <laughs> rough. That's rough. Well, listen, Morgan, uh, this has been absolutely incredible. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a, a guest on, on, on the show and, and sharing your story. Uh, we've, we've known each other for a really long time and I'm, you know, I'm happy to like, you know, the good side of things like social media is that you can kind of stay connected to people that, you know, you yeah. haven't seen in forever and you just, you, you know, you have an idea. Okay. They're, they're, they're doing good. And you, you, you're keeping tabs, you know? Yeah, for exactly. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm, I'm just excited for everything that's going on with you and you're just, you're, you're a badass. All right. You're, you're someone that I think is very admirable and, um, and I, and I'm just, uh, you're just a pleasure to see you flourish in all your, in all your glory. Well, thank you. And like all like all props to you as well. Like all your success with everything with bad wolves and, and shit, you know, you deserve it. It's amazing. It's amazing to see. I, again, you know, like social media is a great, great way to see what, you know, people that you know are up to in the industry. And I'm, I'm so stoked that, uh, that you are, that you're doing it. You know, it's it's really amazing to see. You deserve every ounce of success that you have. So. I'm terrible with compliments, so I will accept the ones I gave to you and kind of accept <laughs> the ones you gave to me. So, Morgan, Morgan, take care of yourself. Is there anything? Uh, do we know when this Car Chaos album is coming out, or are there any of like kitty shows besides these festivals? Uh, no, uh, as far as I know, right now, uh, just uh, you can catch Kitty reuniting for the first time in like you know. 10 years outside of London uh, at uh, Blue Ridge Rock Fest. Uh, our date is September 8th, which is a Thursday. And Same day Bad Wolves we'll at- is playing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So we'll see you there. And uh, when we were young, October 22nd, 23rd, and 29th in Las Vegas. Um, and so far, that's it. But I don't think that this will be the end uh, for Kitty. So I think that's really cool. And um, yeah, other than that, Car Chaos, not sure when the album's coming out, but when it does, you'll know about it. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll make sure to send you a copy too. Just so send it to me, I'll, I'll play hear, it on the show. Hear stuff before before uh, before it, it's released as well. I always like to get people's opinions and stuff too. So yeah, um, that will be coming probably within the, the next six months, two years. So awesome. uh, yeah, make it happen. All right, Morgan, you take care of yourself, keep kicking ass, and I'll see you soon, all right? See you at at Blue Ridge. Yes, see you soon. Cheers, have a good one. Take care.
So that was Kitty with their song, their OG classic, Spit. And that was a live rendition from their Origins slash Evolutions live record, which came out in 2018. I believe there's a actual visual concert that goes along with that as well if you buy their, their DVD. But that's the most recent thing they put out. Her new band, Car Chaos, does not... Uh, the stuff that she recorded them is not out yet, so I couldn't play that. So I, you know, had had to do an, an oldie but goodie there. That sounds really good. I, I really like dig that guitar tone, very very meaty and angry. But absolutely love Morgan. Thank you so much to her for taking her time to be on the show. And this is just great timing because she's performing, and the band is performing this upcoming weekend. So you know the X Man people can flock to the show, even though I w- I'm pretty sure Blue Ridge for the most part is sold out. Uh, I know they, they, the Saturday was sold out and they added some more tickets. I've, I haven't looked at this at the site, so you might, it might be a SOL unless you go on the, uh, the secondary market. But, and I know that while we were young festival sold out like immediately. So good luck, good luck, but we're all on the, on the reunion trail now. <laughs> so you never know where, when you might, you might see us, us, old school, early, you know, early to mid 2000s, I don't know, uh, new wave American heavy metal bands or metal core or, you know, because I guess Kitty, like they were new metal and they became kind of like part of the new wave American heavy metal, kind of, sonically, if you think about it. So I think I'm rambling now, but that's all right. Anyway, it's very late and we don't have central air where I live in Long Beach and we're in the middle of a heat wave. Los Angeles, even though it's generally pretty cool down here, my little office, essentially, if when it's cold outside, it's cold in here. When it's hot outside, it's hot in here. And then when I record this, I don't run any fans. So it's pretty brutal. I'm just smelling like ham and skin. You know, this shit is not sexy. All right. Unless you're into that. Then and if you are, I don't know. Maybe I'm probably just not the one for you. Okay. But yeah, I fly out tomorrow and the work continues and I'll be grinding pretty much through the end of the weekend. And I tell you, I think it's going to be fun and I just hope everything goes well. So just, if you could all just put the good mojo. So all the, the gear works and we play well and everyone has fun and all that. So yeah, it's a, it's quite a culmination. First God forbid show in nine years. So, and that's, you know, it's very, in tune to what this show has been because this show would not exist if it wasn't reaction to me not being in that band. So it's quite a, you know, I guess circular type of moment in terms of kind of coming back to a a place that's familiar, but also still very, very new. 
and I haven't stopped doing the stuff, other stuff I was doing. So it's a very interesting spot to, to be in, to have all these opportunities. <sighs> anyway, getting a little, it's a lot. It's a lot. Your boys grind it down. But, uh, but as, as my dad once said, you know, you know, being tired is in, in some ways a, a privilege, you know, because if you, you're not able to work and you don't get to do things you love, you know, my, my dad, I remember he was uh, dealing with an injury and, you know, uh, he couldn't work. And it was just like, yo, I miss being tired. That was something that always, always stuck with me. So, so don't, don't take your tires for, for granted, you know, cause you always, you're always going to sleep a little better. Alrighty then everyone, you be well. Thank you for being patient with me and thank you for checking out the show. Love you. And mama's out. Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Again.